Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Hey, I have a book to recommend. This is my announcement. There's no prayer meeting. We're going to... It's not, please just pray at home. But I read this book. uh, How many of you have read it, Live Not By Lies? Has anybody read it yet? It's probably going to be coming on the bestseller list pretty soon. Um, Many uh, believers that I know, many people in the church are trying to figure out what their heart response is to the things that are going on, uh, I guess you would say politically or uh, socially in our nation, and they're greatly disturbed by it. I was. I don't know if you are. And um, in seeing different things, and our values seem to be clashing and everything. And so this book got recommended to me as a, it's a response written to what current events are unfolding today in American life. And then it's about uh, walking in Christian dissidence, and that means you don't agree with what's going on, but how do you do that? What do you do that? And the title of the book is called Live Not by Lies. You can see the author up there. Uh, I don't know much about the author. Uh, The title of the book is a quote from the last speech that Solzhenitsyn gave to the Russian people when he came out of exile and was let loose from the gulag and then was released uh, to go to America. And so it comes out of what he wanted to say to them as he left communist rule and left the prison. And one of the most famous lines is he urged them to live not by lies. So you get a taste of what this book is like, is how do we as Christians and believers live in a world in a society that seems ensconced uh not just infiltrated by lies but it's like i mean i you know it's beyond what used to be said about fake news it's just like um i don't know about you the only thing to trust right now is the bible and and the people you love so this is a, a, a book, it's a, parts of it are a little bit difficult, but it explains what believers who lived through communism and the fall of so-called communism when, when Russia broke apart and you know, Reagan uttered his famous words about Berlin and bringing the wall down. And this was about how, did, how was the church able to get in there and what were the believers like and how, what had sustained them. And so it's re- records of what they said to each other, how they lived together, uh, what they did together. And living together was really important, by the way, and, and being with one another. So I just encourage you, as you uh, if, if you are a reader, and if you're not, you need to be a reader. There's your rebuke big rebuke from Lloyd. I would that more people would read and read more often. So both Brenda and I have been voracious readers. Now that's not a pat on the back. It's just that reading was was so ingrained in me because when I was little there wasn't very, there was mostly adult stuff on TV. And so even TV wasn't that much of an escape until Star Trek started in 1966. So I 
I didn't date in high school. Instead, I stayed home on Friday nights to watch Star Trek. Uh, but until that happened, I read voraciously because that was the way, not just to learn, but that was, it was a form of, I guess, escape. Uh, although escape sounds like I was in some sort of, well, I was. Yeah, maybe it was escape. So anyway, I would encourage you to read. And uh, if you're wondering, how do I go for, how do I go through this? How do I take, and especially, how do I take my family through this? How do I take my children and grandchildren through this? And what's important to give to them? And so I think you'll find it very encouraging if you will do that. And I, this is where we stopped. Actually, we stopped at, we got through two of the posits, and I'll explain that in a minute. But about surrounding the knowledge of God and what sound theology is. And... Uh, and how to work our way through that by there there's like five there's probably more than five but there's I found these five basic principles in understanding what God is like for the believer that's the longing of every heart I how many songs have we sung I want to know him (laughs) I want to know him more I want to know him better I want to that that's a that's actually Christ in you that, that desire for him to reveal himself to him. And he likes to do it. But um, this is what I found. We get a... Man, as, uh, as church people, we can do some really squirrely stuff. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of a self-incriminating... Like, like in many ways, so in saying this, don't get mad at me today. Just love on me and just, you know, oh, there he goes off on a tangent again. But it's this, it's almost like in much of what we've experienced with church, it's like we're superstitious and like we play word games and like you, if you're just talking with someone, let me give you an example of it, and you start saying something that is maybe a little uh, uh, like you think is a brag or something, you say, oh, I don't want to give room for the enemy to get in there. And you stop talking. Why do we do that? Well, it's because we got goofy stuff about our own, about Christianese. That doesn't mean we dislike the church or attack it or you become very uh, pedantic and meticulous with it and make sure that you say everything right. That's another, you know, oh, good grief. You know, live. And live not by lives, but we get we get caught in these things, and then that goes into our understanding of God. Maybe we didn't have a particular teaching that was given, but we have a particular set of values that we accept as church and believers because that's what we do. That's who we are, and we heard it enough times that, oh my gosh, it's a gospel, even if it's not in the scriptures. What do you mean? God helps those who help themselves. No, he doesn't. (laughs) That put all the effort on you. That's a lie. And we'll say those things and we keep rehearsing them and say little things that reinforce a way of thinking that's actually not true of the knowledge of God. So uh, let me explain what a posit is. 
it, it's a, it means that something that is, it's like a post, something that's set firmly in place that the, that the floor can sit on. Uh, it means to ex- presume or assume the existence of something. And it's a suggestion as a explaining something. This is how you explain it. So we looked at, uh, the first one was that there's a great paradox between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And describe that, how they coexist. And so you can go back to the podcast and get that. And then the second one that we looked at is there's an inability of the natural realm to re, uh, in its reasoning to comprehend God. We learn about who God is through the other realm. Through the more real realm, if you will, the spiritual realm, which is, uh, it is ethereal. It's not this necessarily tangible thing, though it can appear tangible to us at times. And that we don't use, um, and I want to be careful here because then it gets again into that thing where we do culture stuff, but... uh, well, I want to experience God. I don't want to get my reasoning to get in the way. It doesn't. You're to have experience and deep spirituality with God, with your reason, not opposed to your reason. With your understanding. And you've been given a brain by God for a reason. So that you can think. And if you're going to think, then think well. Don't think poorly. How do I know if I'm thinking poorly? Listen to your self-talk. Self-talk reveals so much about the things that you say inside of yourself. It reveals so much about you. In little things, when, and even not only your self-talk, but your self-talk when you're talking with others. When, I, when I'm engaged with Pamela and I start explaining about something I believe or don't believe... I want both the spiritual, that experiential realm, and my intellect to work in such a way that I'm communicating well and that I'm receiving well. So the third one is this. This is this third post on getting to know what God's really like. That's really important. We actually did this a a few weeks ago and spent quite a bit of time on it but uh, it's there is a necessity of faith and love to understand the knowledge of God God reveals himself to a believing heart and it's not that he, he goes well if unbelief is there I'm not going to show myself but there it, it if there's anything that does a limitation which is impossible in God, it's, it's when we demand that it be a certain way or we don't receive through faith. You know, and that, that faith is an actual substance. It's a place and it can be exercised. And here's the wonderful thing about faith. You can grow in faith. Faith takes God at his word. Hebrews 11 says, those who come to God must believe that he is. 
What does that mean? He exists. I bet you if I asked each person in this room, does God exist? You would go, oh yeah. How do you know that? How do you know God exists? What's the evidence? He communicates. Here's what I believe. Now, God doesn't exist because I believe Him to exist. I believe God exists because He exists. He has shown Himself. And then He shows Himself more and more and more and more and more when you engage that act of faith and say, I believe you. So many times, I don't know how you've learned Christ. But I will read something in the Word, and I'll go, I've never, I've read that 400 times, and I didn't see that before. Have you ever had that jump out at you? And then you engage your faith. I believe you're speaking to me now. Now, you may not say those exact words, but when you engage your faith, all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere. It's like when you buy a different vehicle, and you buy a Jeep Cherokee. And then when you get it out on the road and you start driving around, you start seeing all these other Jeep Cherokees. You're going, I didn't know that many other people. I thought I was the only one that had ever found a Jeep Cherokee. And that I was sure it was the best vehicle on the road. And look at all these other smart people. (laughs) We engage God. It's so good. I think of all the things. (laughs) And try this this week. Let me put it this way. Engage it a little bit differently. Find that thing that's been very difficult lately. And pray a prayer around it. But engage God in it as that he's resolved it. That it's not something that he has to make you be different at or do something different, but that he's at work in your life to show you who he is over it. And just engage him in it and see what that does in your heart of hearts. See how he begins, is this making sense? That's the exercise of faith. It's, it's where we, we walk by faith, we live by faith, we understand by faith, and that uh, this realm of faith is impossible to separate from believers because the act of believing is faith. We always want, we, we have a tendency, now remember my Christian culture thing. So we tend to go towards the negative. I believe, therefore, you know what most of us say? Oh God, I believe, help my. Now, that's one quote. You're right. But here's the thing. Let me, 
That is about one person's interaction with God, not about all of us. But we've engendered and taken it, and so it actually works again the, against the very faith that you're reaching out to God with. It's faith that pleases God. He will reveal himself to you when you believe. Let me read a couple of things to you, and I think it'll... Short. Well, maybe not short. When we hope in God, and we hope alone and hope against hope, because that's what most of us want our faith to, I'm going to believe God for this. Till the day breaks, we rest in what God is. That's the engagement of faith. The engagement of faith is not to see circumstances change. The engagement of faith is over who God is. Faith in God is always the hallmark for every believer. Americans... And here's, here I'm coming after the church again, but American Christianity always hopes for a way of escape. We want to get out of here really bad. Or we want the circumstances to really change. And so we, what our hope is, is hope and change circumstance, not in who God is. And when we, but when we do that, when we say, and it comes out in a, in a frame like this. Here's a great faith prayer. I trust you, God. God, I trust you with what you're going to do. Not telling him what he should do. Not telling him what his will on the earth is going to be. Not commanding that that tower come down. Or that that person choke on a ham sandwich. Because we don't agree with them. And they ought to get what they deserve. Wait a minute. Did I get what I deserved? But our hope in God. When I begin to do that, that trust becomes a, a faith measure in which here's what happens. God starts showing who he is to that heart. Can it change circumstances? Yes, but my real faith hope is the one I prayed earlier about Romans 8, 39. Paul writes to the church after, after describing everything about God and what he has done to take sin out of the way and how he's made you brand new. He says, end of Romans 8, what shall we say then to all these things? If God is for us, And then he starts listing them and almost everything that I could ever think of is included under that list. And then faith begins, and God starts. So it's, a, it's this pillar that we stand in about believing God. Let me read one other thing to you. What God declares, and this is from knowledge of the holy, what God declares the believing heart confesses without the need of further proof. That's faith. 
Indeed, to seek proof is to admit doubt, and to obtain proof is to render faith superfluous. Everyone who possesses the gift of faith will recognize the wisdom of those daring words of one of the early church fathers. I believe that Christ died for me because it is incredible. I believe that he rose from the dead because it is impossible. Now think about every circumstance in your life. What God did regarding circumstances which the ultimate circumstance is, and then you die. Did you ever watch Freaks and Greeks? Or Geeks and Freaks? Yes, this old sitcom. And the dad's favorite saying was, he would always tell the kids all this stuff that was going to happen to him. and then he goes, and then you die. Christ conquered death. God conquered your death, your old life, and raised you up to new life. So, you know, I'm not going to physically die. It's not what I'm saying. That old thing died and was buried with him, and you've been raised new. The death he conquered, this impossible thing, makes it possible for you to live in the new life by faith. He says later in this, faith comes first to the hearing ear, not the cogitating mind. God, when you step out in faith and say, I believe, God hears that. And he always reveals himself to the heart that longs to hear. How many times have you said, oh God, I just want to know your will? By the way, that's another Christian culture thing. Because I've been saying for about five years here, which some of you agree with me and some of you struggle with it, and that's okay. I'm not looking for God's will. I am God's will. You are God's will. This is what, read Ephesians. This is what Christ intended to present you to himself. What's God's will for me? Christ, to be presented to him on that day. It is that day. Now is that day. I'm not waiting for a future event anymore. As Francois said, there's no distance and there's no delay with God. Now, you have to think about all the lessons we've done in the past, looking at the two words, but God and but now. Those two little words that are found throughout the new covenant. When you start looking at those, I have the life that I live in God now. And when circumstances get hard here, culturally, we tend to go, well, when I get to heaven. What about Christ in you now? What about him right here, right now where we believe? So this, 
and, and faith works by love, this whole idea of what faith really is, is the understanding that God is who he is, and in Christ, he's making you who he is. Now, I'm not saying you're God, but he is forming and fashioning us. Not that there's something that has to happen, but there is something happening. Day by day, new every day. I'm new in God every day. And, I, and our, my mind gets renewed by the engaging of my faith over that. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Fourth posit. It's a really important one. There is a unity within God's being. God is, this is one of the most difficult things to grasp. And yet when we do, when we lay hold of it, I'm telling you something changes. Now not all people who call themselves Christians are actually Trinitarian in their faith, believing that God has three parts to him. And then the other thing that we tend to do is, is that knowing that God is three persons, we like to separate them. And when we do that, we can actually make part of God very cruel. The Father part. So we separate God the Father and God the Son, and God the Father knew everything, and Jesus was willing to come down here and, and suffer, and so he smacked him around real good because you were bad. That's such faulty theology. Here's an amazing thing. Jesus never saw himself separate from God. It's one of the things that made them really mad at the rulers, really angry with him. So he came and talked, and, and the very word Father wasn't used regarding God under the Old Covenant. There's some prophecies regarding Jesus where it's used, and a couple other times he does a, a simile, like a father, I carried you through the desert. But they didn't ever refer to God as Father. And Jesus comes on the scene and I say, well, where do you get the authority? My father and I are one. What? What? <laughs> Whoa. What did you say? That's impossible. Yes. To the reasoning mind, it's impossible. But he didn't say, my father and I are going to be one. He said, my father and I are one. He didn't see a distance and delay between God and himself. We try to separate them out. And Jesus is the good guy and the Father's the bad guy. That is so faulty. And then we make Jesus out to be something he's not. Jesus is God. And then we do the whole thing with the Holy Spirit. And then we put on our charisma cloaks, our charismatic cloaks. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we even assign femininism to him, and that's the well. That's the that's the touchy feely woman side of God. No, it's not. 
If anything, if you could find out anything about the Holy Spirit, it's the creative side of God. It's the breath, but there's no difference. If we lined up Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and said, that's him, which one? Door number one? What's behind door number two? There is not. The reason God, I believe this, because this is a huge mystery for all of us. It's supposed to be a mystery. It's actually what makes God not confusing, but it makes him other than. And I've tried, oh, I've heard people explain it in sermons. It's an egg and it has a shell and a yolk and a white. Yeah, that's so foolish. God is complete within himself. There are, the best way I've been able to think of it is there's three aspects to God. And each of them have nuances to them, but they are not separate from one another. And it reveals this. God needed nothing else. He has himself. And within that, he is in perfect unity within himself. Just go to Genesis 1. That's the first portrayal of the Trinity. God said to himself, let us... Not singular, let me, let us make man in our image. So you get this. He was right there in the beginning, complete. Can you experience one part of God and not the other? No. And I've watched believers struggle with their faith because they'll say, well, I, yeah, I see Jesus. He's my friend and my savior and everything. But I just can't, I can't handle the thing about God being father. And this isn't a put down. If that's been your struggle, I, well, I, can, I don't really understand it. But to empathize with you, I, I get the picture that you had a difficult thing that puts a hindrance in the way. But when you can, by faith, just touch that part that says, I, I accept God in his complete being. There's a oneness, because I believe that's what Jesus meant. The Father and I are one. He accepted, and can you accept, that you were one with God right now? Well, I'm someplace on the journey. I'm being, being I'm, I'm some, really? You ought to try and explain that to somebody. Well, we're on the journey, and yeah, you're at the two-mile mark. You're doing really good, buddy. Brenda, you kind of in trouble there, girl. You only made it a block and a half. Are you one with God? Does the Scripture say that? Show it to me in the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oh, I got this war within me. I have this, I have this good side of me and this bad side of me. And, and they war. And sometimes the 
good one wins and sometimes a bad one wins and I have to go tell everybody else I'm sorry again. And then when we're at church to get excited, we say, oh, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Do you see that there's some things that we do that, don't, that are on the wrong posit. Here's this, here's this posit that says, God is a complete being and you've been made into Christ. And if I see God as complete, I can see myself as complete. That's what Jesus did. You say you want to walk as Jesus? Believe like Jesus. What, you know, we may, this is one of my favorite parts of one of my favorite movies of all time, just like every other guy, Braveheart. But it's a crazy Paul guy from Ireland, you know. He just wigged them all out because he talked to God all the time and called him Father. You remember that? Just, you know, when he's first introducing to William Wallace. Do you make yourself out to be one with God? Yes, Father. He sent me here. Why? Because you were going to need me. And then he saves his life. Tells him later he can escape, but not too sure about the rest of them. And does that in a very funny way. During what was known as the Arian controversy, let me just say this final thing about the Trinity. Uh, The Arian controversy was this, that as the Catholic Church was growing, another growing church within Europe was called the Arian Church, and they didn't believe in the divinity of Jesus. They believed that God used Jesus as a human being for salvation, but that he was not one with God. And so... 318, how do they know that number? I guess they recorded the whole thing. Church fathers, um, many of them, it says, maimed and scarred by physical violence, suffered in earlier persecutions, met at Nicaea, and they adopted a creed that you know really well, and a statement of faith. And one of the sections of it runs like this, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God, begotten of Him before all ages, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. Now it's amazing when you think back to the history of words and understanding that He got them to that place. It really is, it's funny, but the Nicene Creed is still the test. Uh, Sometimes it's called the Apostles' Creed. It's still the test of orthodoxy. And its main proclamation is the unity of God being three, yet one. Hard to understand, but as we embrace it by faith, God does something amazing. I thought I was going to get through both of these. I'm not, because I don't, I, don't I don't want to escape this last one. So here's the last one that we'll do next week. And it's one that the church has completely misunderstood and why we find it difficult to know God. We do not understand 
the new covenant. We call ourselves Christian and we do not understand the new covenant. And we've mixed it up. And so for me, it's one of the biggest hindrances to understanding who God is. And I'll explain that next week about how, man, I hope you can be here with us. Because I, I really believe with all my heart, just like understanding that, that, that I died to sin and was raised and justified in new life, that is the new covenant, but understanding and actually living as new covenant believers in this present time will be the hallmark of what keeps us. And you'll grow. I've so grown in my understanding of God. And uh, one author who wrote a book about the new covenant called it the highway to grace. Because it is so immersed in the understanding of the grace of God. And that the biggest, as I've listened to people, not attacking other teachers or going after the church again, but as I listen to believers' hearts, they try to be new covenant believers through old covenant lies. Now, when they were in the old covenant, they weren't a lie. But to bring them forward takes them away from their completeness. And so we add things that we're now not living by true truth. And the new covenant is true truth. It's the way God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And it's how he wants you to live. Paul said this to the Ephesian church. As you received Christ, what are you supposed to do? Now walk in him. Well, we've been taught Receive Christ, and now it's up to you to walk it out and make sure it's right. How's that working for you? So we'll look at it next week and dissect it a little bit. We'd like to pray for our faith, that you be able to engage God by faith this week over an area that you are struggling with. The best way to get faith to grow is go after the area that's trying to steal it from you. God, oh Father, help each one wrap their experience and their thoughts around the revelation of who you are. And that you're not thinking less of them today. You're not thinking they're stupid or they, they can't get it. And where they feel stuck, come unstuck them. Come unstick them. Pull them out. I, I pray Psalm 40 over us this week. That we would patiently lift up our voice of faith to you and that you would incline your ear and answer our prayer and that you would pull us out of the miry clay we see ourselves standing on a rock that is higher than ourselves pull us out of the futility 
let faith grow in each of our hearts. I pray for this gift that it would expand. The gift of faith for each one. That the measure of it would get bigger and larger and greater and higher. And that the delight of you would be in them as they pray this week. And I bless them now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up His countenance upon you. Give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.